Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Hook, Grip, and Rip podcast. I'm Brandon Merrick here once again with my co-host, JT Silvers. How are you doing today, brother? Brandon, I'm doing doing pretty well today, sir. Got yeah. some good lifts in on Saturday. Well, my, my client, David, who I've been working with on the Olympic movements, Moved up to the rank of my training partner instead of just a client. And he, uh, he had a snatch PR. It was pretty impressive. So happy for him. Good weekend of training for me. Hell yeah, man. How did uh, how'd finals go this week? Hey, we got some aces up in here, my friend. Really? <laughs> happy Thank news all around. <laughs> well done, dude. Well done. Just uh, another step close to that Masters and and sooner or later, you're going to be the PhD on the podcast. So, <clears throat> Let's hope so. congratulations, dude. Um, really happy for you there. Uh, me, myself, I kind of I kind of backed off a little bit this week. Um, had, had one day of some heavy squatting and then hit another uh, five by two at uh, 275 for – uh, clean plus jerk or two plus one, I guess. But, uh, um, Lucas and I took a couple days off cause, well, I'm, I'm a little beat up. Lucas has got a bruised pelvis and you know how it goes. Um, I do. I do. Um, after our last weekend of training, I had to take a hard look at myself and say, look, you can't afford to train like that, man. <laughs> We're Americans. We're not Bulgarians. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I'm pretty jacked up, ready to go here once again. I think, uh, I think I'm actually going to sign up and be a part of USAW and maybe get my first meet in here in a few months. So, um, exciting. It's time to stuff. It's time to crank it up, dude. I'm I'm ready to go. So awesome. Uh, just gotta actually get myself to sign up, you know. <laughs> yep. Those dues, man. <laughs> uh, but but uh, that's not a big deal. We can do it. Um, but <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry, um. Just got done playing some basketball, so uh, I'm I'm a little out of it at the moment. Um, be, being weightlifters, all that cardio's not not good for us. Um, yeah. But anyways, JT, we are here uh, to talk about part three of our three part series of the Russians, the Bulgarians, and finally the United States of America. Right, so we are going to talk about the U.S. method of weightlifting, um, and I think I don't know what our plan is. We may or may not talk about our favorite lifters today. Um, I know JT and I have both been fairly busy the last week, so um, and we may have quite a bit to talk about with this U.S. method. So uh, we'll see what we get to. Um, but anyways, you know that. This is great because the U.S. Uh, the U.S. method is kind of an amalgamation of all the things we've seen, and it's uh, you know kind of extremely different. Um, right. But, anyways, JT, what, what do you got for us today, man? Well, you know, I think before we get started on like 
the actual method itself. It's just important to look at the context. Um, and as we talked about with uh, with some of those Eastern Bloc countries, um, these athletes are being trained from a very young age with the goal in mind that they're going to be high-level competitive uh, athletes in the sport of weightlifting. Whereas in the United States, you typically, you know, you take five, six-year-old kids and put them out on a t-ball field or, you know, you get a clump of them chasing a soccer ball around with only like one or two on the field knowing that the ball goes in the goal. But, you know, they're athletes doing their athletic thing, uh, whether they understand what it is or not, you know, they're playing a sport. But because of how popular team sports are in the U.S., that's typically where kids want to start because, you know, dad watches the NFL on Sundays and they watch the, they watch the NFL with dad on Sundays and they want to be the next, you know, Tom Brady or uh, Pat Patty Mahomes. Don't say and, Tom Brady. That, that's that's taboo on this podcast. JT, you know it is. Come on now. Okay. Well, I mean, okay. <laughs> they want to be a quarterback. <laughs> oh, oh <God>. Brandon. <laughs> uh, yeah, but what you get, <laughs> what you get is the result of all these kids starting off as you know young athletes who maybe do amount to something in their sport, you know, play a collegiate career like Brandon and I did. Um, and whether, whether our impact on the sport was significant or not, you know, that's up for debate, but now we kind of find ourselves in the situation where we're still quote unquote young and able to participate in sport and we're looking for something to do that's more of this internal challenge and a lot of athletes now i feel are turning to things like powerlifting crossfit um, and weightlifting as alternatives because they are a lot more internally driven to just beat yourself be better than you were yesterday um and a great example of this um with an athlete making a transition uh, to to the sport of weightlifting would be Tara Knott, uh, who won the first United States weightlifting gold um, in the 48-kilo class uh, for, for female lifters uh, in the 2000 Olympics. Um, and she didn't even participate in a full four-year training cycle. I think she started training two years before the 2000 Olympics because she just happened to work at the Olympic um, training center and was yeah, invited by one of the Olympic coaches uh, to go and weightlift, and she had a knack for it, and turned into one of the one of the first gold medalists. That's wild, man! <clears throat> I didn't even know that. So, uh, that, that's pretty freaking impressive. That's that's what you get, man. You got well-rounded athletes. It's, um, in that aspect, it's a lot like the Romanians, you know. Um, the Romanians were really encouraged to go out and play other sports and become well, well-rounded athletes before they got into Olympic lifting, even though, you know, their coaches, they're expected that once they got done playing soccer or whatever, they were going to come to the gym and hit snatch and clean and jerk or back squat. Right. While right. other six-year-olds, you know, they, they go home and have a popsicle for dinner. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's insane, dude. Um, we, I, I think it just speaks to, you know, the, the difference um, in how our athletes are brought up where most everything is centered around maybe not a specific sport, but just team sports in general. 
And then as you get to an older age, we incorporate elements of resistance training where I think a lot of these other programs, they know the importance of resistance training. It's implemented a lot earlier on and athletes kind of base their ability around where they are lifting weight um, rather than the other way around where, you know, you, you find out that because you're, you're a high school football player that you're pretty strong in the weight room. And that's, then maybe that, carries on to after after you graduate high school and you move on you need something else to do you become a power lifter you like lifting weights and, and, and football and you got something that you can hang on to yeah for sure whereas you know vice versa um you have other countries where they see as winning gold in the olympics in weightlifting that actually shows the strength of their country right they they expect them to show out at the Olympics or um, big national championships and um, expect that to reflect along back on their country because everybody there knows those strength athletes. So um, whereas their children see them and they want to be Olympic weightlifters, whereas, you know, like we said, we see Quentin Nelson and we want to be Quentin Nelson, not, not that vagabond you spoke of earlier, JT. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but anyways, man, um, I I don't think we can get into the Olympic or the U.S. method without talking about, you know, the man, the myth, the legend, the people's coach, Glenn Penlay. Um, you know, Glenn Penlay and Dave, Spent, Dave Spitz um, ran arguably – the most successful U.S. weightlifting team of all time. And California Strength is still, you know, the cream of the crop, the best weightlifting team out there, right? You have – you had other places like um, Catalyst Athletics. Um, I'm kind of drawing a blank here right now, but, um, you know, or uh, Vulcan or, or teams like that. Um, you, you had other ones that can compete or you had, you know, people in the OTC, um, but still the California strength team excelled more than most other teams. Right. Right. <coughs> but well, and with um, like, with like a lot of other sports in the United States, you still have the collegiate ranks as kind of a developmental program, um, which you, you still like you have the presence of scholarship Olympic weightlifting teams in college, um, but they're not publicized. Uh, and a lot of the time, their clubs uh, they don't get a lot of money from the university. It's just something that they happen to offer because somebody started the club and it kind of just grew on itself from there. Um, like with Zach Thielander at uh, Texas A&M. Right, right. Um, but you also have to think that uh, all those collegiate programs are handpicking um, kids who are winning junior nationals. Um, right. So, like, they've grown up in weightlifting. It's not like uh, – I mean, it, it can happen, but it's not like somebody that comes to play football at uh, Texas A&M is just going to switch over to weightlifting and automatically get a big scholarship or something like that. Right. Um, and, and you take uh, – Travis Mash out at Lenore Ryan, he's doing the same thing where uh, uh, Morgan, um, you know, he's been training under Travis Mash his whole life. 
and he's just going to Lenore Ryan to continue training under Travis Mash. And okay. you know, and he almost and he what he had a one ninety cleaning jerk the other day and almost hit a two hundred cleaning jerk. That kid's a freak. So um you know, there's there's that aspect to it. So um that that college uh that college field, those kids are actually just handpicked. There's not a whole there's not even like a whole lot of recruiting that goes into it. It's just hey, if you're out in Texas and T Linder finds you at Nationals, come come train under me for a while, you know? Right. Um I think that's more of how it is. But uh Yeah, it's more of the athletes getting with a specific coach than it is like we're gonna handpick you because you, you posted your what four hundred pound clean and or power clean uh, in football training? Yeah, yeah. You get they're they're taking kids who have grown up in the sport, which is sad. But you know that's that's the way it is. It's when you're out trying to win nationals and things like that. It's hard to take somebody completely raw and uh, train them to be the best. But I mean, it's been done. Don't get me wrong; sure. it's been done. <laughs> but um anyways back to Glenn Pinlay um I just kind of love the way he approached weightlifting right because he had a very simplistic view uh I think he once said uh in the book JT um that we're reading the Glenn Pinlay method written by Seb Ostrich um he once said that in order to lift more weight you have to lift more weight um, and, and I just really love that view, dude, whether it be, you know, if you want to get stronger, just get strong. The quote by Donnie Shankle, or, you know, that, that just means you have to go in the gym and lift more than you did the day before or, um, lift more weight or more volume, you know, that's, that's all right. it is. But, um, a little bit of background about Glenn Penley, uh, before he was this famous coach, he was an athlete. He actually started out in powerlifting where he could back squat 800. And I think the book said he could hit a uh, 606 for a set of 10. Um, he, he front squatted something like 550 pounds, clean and jerk uh, 210, which is 462. And he could snatch around 175, 180 kilos. Um, while while he was doing uh, hang power power snatch doubles, at one point in time, I think I think I heard that in in a in a podcast episode. So it's not like he was a weak dude. He knew what he was doing. He had uh, dirt under his fingernails, as John North would say. Certainly. Um. But for or one time, Pinlay was at a weightlifting meet, and um, Medvedev, the Russian coach at the time, had found him and invited him to come to Moscow to train under him. And Pinlay spent some time there where he picked up, um, you know, the two most important things that the Russians um, thought about, which was positioning was the most important thing and then you should always do more reps so those two things are what Pinlay took away from Moscow as well as getting extremely strong 
while learning right. the Russian method. All right. And then in 1999, he started his own weightlifting club in Wichita Falls, Texas, where he met Donnie Shankle, the lion killer, you know, the beast, the guy who could have gone to the Olympics instead of Kendrick Ferris, but Kendrick, Kendrick Ferris was a was an absolute monster. So, you know, they sent him. But anyways, Donnie Shankle, that guy. <laughs> If you don't know who he is by now, you haven't been listening to the podcast. <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, and, and then, in which case, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. <laughs> yeah, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Um, you know, we we love talking about weightlifting. That's why we're here. So, uh, but if you don't know about these names, you could always just ask us. You know, send us an email. But anyways, um, in 2006. Uh, Ivan Abajayev actually went and was sent to be the coach for California Strength, where Glenn Penley sent Donnie out to train under the Bulgarian method. And then Abajayev actually decided that it was impossible to train the United States athletes who were clean instead of on drugs. And then he left. So after Abajayev left, Dave Spitz then offered the job to Glenn Penley. And um, this is kind of where I like to say uh, in Texas, in Wichita Falls, Penley helped design the Texas method, which we'll talk about here in a second. But it was at California Strength um, where the Texas method actually made champions. So, uh, and then after that, I guess we can talk about what that Texas method actually is. Uh, JT, would you want to talk about it a little bit, or do you want yeah, me to keep going? Uh, so the Texas method is kind of a blend of Penlay's coaching uh, and what he took away from working with Mark Ripito, and then lessons that he took he he took from other weightlifters. Because as we mentioned, he was a powerlifter prior to making his his a transition to weightlifting. Um. Glenn liked to say that the Texas method was written by the weightlifters themselves. Um, and it was typically done with five by five back squats at 80% on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And obviously you can see that this is a pretty demanding program. Um, and the loading is important, but really it's the volume that the athletes really needed. And as we, as we keep going back to here, it's, the process of developing strength. You can't be a successful weightlifter without the requisite strength to move weight fast. Um, and if you if you fail to rep uh, on any of these these five by fives, you can move the weight back by five kilos and finish the set. Um, and on Friday, Benlay encouraged the athletes to max out and hit a five repetition max. And if they hit that new max, then they could head out. They could get out of the gym early. Um, so eventually what, what Penley noticed is that the athletes would reduce the amount of weight they were lifting on Wednesday so they could hit bigger numbers on Friday. And then after seeing this, Penley implemented it. He made that a, a of the program and this is kind of something that we see in and in, in a period 
brain and, and program design. It's it's undulating, undulating uh, periodization where you have a what you call a moderate load and then a lighter load and then a heavy load on Friday so that you're not linearly loading. You're kind of waving up to your heavy lift so that you're not burning yourself out two days prior to lifting your heaviest. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I think, I think what they, uh, actually did was they still kept their five by five on Mondays and then, uh, they would do like, uh, they would front squat and hit a light back squat on Wednesday and then go back to their back squat on Friday. So, um, and the reason they squatted was so much was that <clears throat> Pinlay knew that the squat was the uh, – I'm sorry, my dogs are going insane. <clears throat> uh, but Pinlay knew that the – yes, the squat is the way to get stronger. Um, you know, it's the base of literally every single lift that you do in weightlifting. Right, because all you do is clean and jerk and then snatch, which is a squat, <laughs> basically. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, JT, I, I think after that, it's a, it's a good idea to talk about why they would max out so many times. Like, um, the idea was that you damn near maxed out every single week, right? Um, Pinlay loved this idea that if you were on an absolute heater of a workout, like say you hit your, like say you had uh, an X amount of doubles in snatch this day, right? But if you're on a, on like, you're feeling good, you know, mm-hmm. he would let you work up, like, go for it, go, go hit a max double, right? So, um, and that way, I think uh, Pinlay would never, like hold his lifters back. He wanted to um, uh, allow them to flourish, especially when they were having a big day. <clears throat> and then it kind of worked out better though. Like say your lifter eventually hits up hitting a big PR, right? That just therefore increases their minimums. Right. right. And uh, that's the idea of where uh, working the maximum really comes into play. So the idea of pushing your minimums to increase your maximums, I think, was a uh, big thing for the for the U.S. method, right? Um, what, what do you think, JT? Yeah, I agree, Brandon. Um, and you know, I think one thing that's really important to look at here is, as well is that when you're working with these United States athletes who didn't have the developmental program that some of these Eastern countries did, they're still behind in terms of strength. So it's much more important for them to go through some, something of a rigorous squat program to kind of get that lost ground. Um, because as we kind of mentioned, the only maximum lifting you're going to do as a weightlifter should be, your pulls and your back squat. Um, your dynamic effort movements are technically falling into the area. What, what falls in that category is technically your, your clean and jerk and your snatch because they're, they're movements that you have to move expulsively. They can't be maximal by nef- by definition uh, of what that, what that effort is. Um, and whether the weight is 98% of your one RM, I'm not saying that's not maximal, 
I'm saying that by definition, it's a, it's a power movement, not a strength movement. So it's not a maximal effort. Right. Because. <clears throat> and again, with this, we're just looking at the, the force velocity curve and power velocity curve. You get beyond where optimal power exists on the power velocity curve. You are in the range of strength strictly. So when you pull well, 125% of your um, your snatch max as a snatch pull or snatch deadlift, that's maximal work. That's strength work. Uh, and that's that's kind of the requisite that I'm talking about. We have to develop that kind of strength. That's why Penlay encouraged his athletes to do, you know, sets of these enormous snatch lifts having them conventional deadlift and back squat as often as I did, where we looked at the Romanian program and these athletes were front squatting far more often because they had already developed that requisite strength as juniors, uh, where a lot of these athletes, they were strong, but they weren't strong in the same sense as resistance training at the age of 12. Right. Um, and, and I think that's where we see a big difference in um, other countries who aren't clean compared to the United States, right? So, or, or Canada or uh, the Japanese, um, which I or recently Europe. learned is, do what? And Europe as well. Uh, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So, uh, but... Uh, Shoot, what was I saying, JT? About um, the Japanese. Uh, yeah, anyways, uh, you see the uh, the lifters who are on drugs who use, like, the squat and the pulls as a, an accessory exercise, whereas in the United States or other clean countries, we kind of we use the back squat and the pulls and the straight presses to um, – you know, help the snatch and the clean and jerk go up as a byproduct of us maxing out in those strength movements. Right. I, I probably just said what JT said in, in a roundabout way, but <clears throat> that's the way I think well, of it as. And, and it goes back to like looking at the program, those athletes got stronger in the snatch and clean and jerk because they snatched and cleaned and jerked. Um, were on drugs that encouraged their that that facilitated their recovery far faster than any United States lifter could recover because they're clean. Um, so they were able to lift at essentially double the pace what a U.S. lifter could, which is why we see the implementation of kind of that undulating periodization instead of just more weight every day, like uh, Abijayev would have implemented which is why he believed in train clean athletes was just because he didn't have the, the creative mindset, the nonlinear mindset <laughs> to, 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 to allow his lifters to rest. He didn't believe in it. Yeah. And, uh, I think, <laughs> I think it's funny because he came to the United States and was confused because, uh, Donnie Shankle, John North, those guys were there. And Abu Jayev came in and was like, why aren't these guys on drugs? When do you give them drugs? <laughs> right. And then he, 
he was like, there's no point for any of these guys to lift. They won't win gold medals because they aren't on the drug. <clears throat> so, you know, that was just a big reason why he decided to leave. Um, I think he trained for a couple months and, you know, everyone, everyone just was dropping like flies. They couldn't keep up. Right. You know, the, the old saying was, if you were standing and you could sit, sit. If you were sitting and you could lay down, lay down. If you're laying down and could be sleeping, sleep. Um, that's, uh, I once heard that in a, in a podcast episode that, uh, who was it? Oh, uh, Stefan Botev, uh, in that, in that interview that I sent you a couple days ago, JT, um, that was, uh, very interesting, but, uh, yeah, so the Americans got that nice little taste of, you know, what it, what it was like to be a, Bul- a Bulgarian lifter. And they saw what the Bulgarians could do because the Bulgarians actually came with Abhijayev to come lift in the, in the States. Right. right. But, you know, nobody could just keep up. Um, I think John Norris said at one point that he was struggling to snatch, uh, 80 kilos at one point in time after a month of training going three times a day. He literally couldn't pick the bar up off the floor. <clears throat> um, it was just enough for him to, you know, make it through the day. Yeah. Um, that kind of goes to our next point that we're going to touch on. Like athletes who are not on drugs can't lift maximally every single session. Glenn implemented his repetition method as well as the, uh, the Texas squat method, um, which in simple terms, we're working to a 10 rep max, but starting from approximately 50% of whatever the movement's max is for that 10 rep. So, you know, a good example, if you're going to, to strict press for 10 RM and your 10 rep max is 100 kilos, you'd start at 50 and then get a set at 60 and 70 and so on until you either failed or created a new 10 RM. Uh, and this process did things that were really important for these clean lifters and that's to develop hypertrophy because again they're strong as these athletes who started training at a substantially younger age with the Olympic weightlifting goal in mind where a lot of the U.S. lifters, you know, they didn't start with the resistance training background, and it also helped them to develop the requisite strength. So by developing more muscle mass, we develop more strength, and we can see continuous over uh, over time increase in these um, what we would call movements. Um, and I know one example, but Glenn also loved um, – the hip extension or, or the, the hyper extension, uh, and then our hypers, good mornings, all these kind of good uh, back developing exercises, hamstring strength developing exercises for his repetition method. Because not only are they good for developing that strength, but they're also excellent for facilitating a little bit more recovery after a heavy session of snatch, clean jerk, deadlift, back squat because of the, the blood that area 
Right. And, and JT, when you say, you know, we're working up to a uh, 10 rep max and starting at 50%, that means we're getting 10 reps at 50% and 60% and so on. Right. Um, right. Cause a, a lot of times when people think, you know, I'm going to hit a max out like you or I, like say we're going to hit a three rep max. Me personally, I'm not doing three reps all the way up to my max, right? I might hit like a, a set of seven, set of five, all the way up to um, uh, like six, like, and then I'll hit, oh my gosh, I had a stroke. Um, I, might, I might hit like bigger numbers up to maybe 60%. And then after that, I'm hitting singles and doubles all the way up until I'm ready to hit that three rep max. Right. So um, the idea was you're, you're getting 50, 60 reps in, into something. Um, and hopefully that means you'll, you'll push a new PR with that 10 rep max. So, right. And it goes to that point you brought up earlier of, of working on a fatigued body, of developing further strength when you're already fatigued. Um, and I think there, there's a lot of, more modern science to support that that is actually the case when your muscle tissue is in the presence of lactic acid and you strength train it's more likely to develop more muscle mass than if no lactic acid is present and i don't think glenn necessarily did the science to to study this and prove it just made sense in his mind that we want to a progress a weight up rather than start our guys lifting the heaviest thing they've ever lifted for 10 reps, but also work on fatigue and try to push to a new max after having done maybe six sets. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, he may not have thought about the science behind it, although he was an incredibly smart human being. Um, You know, it's just what he continued to pick up. You know, one of his big things was never stop learning um, so he, he was always taking in information, seeing what, um, how his lifters responded to things. Um, you know, uh, he, he always had that attitude about him to where he could always pick up something else and implement it to, to his team. So, um, yeah, something that I really appreciate about Glenn is not only does he take the anecdotal evidence that he's seen but he's also you know done done the research to pair it up with real scientific evidence right he's not just looking at what his lifters like to do saying oh this must be best you're looking at oh you know further past research comparing it to what has been done either by the russians the bulgarians or in you know animal trials (laughs) Because yeah. up to that point, when he was very first starting out, there wasn't a lot of exercise science out there available in the U.S. There just wasn't a very, very strong budding field. Right. Um, you know, and I'm in the same boat, JT. I just love the way that he was able to pick up, you know, what was useful and, and really press it and, you know, create some champions, you know, Pan Am, Nationals, AOs. Uh, Arnold champions, you know, those guys. Um, and, and that's where you really see some of those big names, you know, John North, Donnie Shankle, Rob Black, Blackwell, Spencer Mormon. Um, you know, those guys are absolute beasts. Um, and, and obviously... The other reason... Go ahead. Go, go ahead, man. Go ahead. 
I think the other reason I really appreciate Glenn as a coach is because of his style of motivating his athletes. Um, and we talked about, a bit about his dedication to sport earlier on. But, you know, um, when he was training at, at Cal Strength and, and the USA in, the, in, the, in his later years, he would put up money uh, to get his athletes to PR. You know, here's $500 to the first athlete who, who hits a PR on the lift of the day, whether it's snatch or clean and jerk. Uh, and you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a rich man. He wasn't living a lavish lifestyle being a weightlifting coach in the United States. Um, but to those athletes, you know, that $500, that's a month's rent. You know, that, that makes all the difference. And you're going to, you're going to learn to win by forcing yourself to win in a situation where, you know, it, it may not be life or death, but you can get that in your mind that it is damn well, damn well near that. Um, and competing against yourself is great, but competing against your teammates is even better. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, John North has said it multiple times where um, Glenn, Glenn Pinlay and Donnie Shankle and Dave Spitz, like their presence alone made you want to work harder, right? So a lot of times – Pinlay, you know, he wouldn't uh, be strict on technique or anything. He would literally, literally pull up his chairs and just stare at you until you hit some big weight, right? Um, and I think another one of the cool things is that none of the athletes really knew what they were going to do that day, right? So they would walk into the gym, um, they would warm up, Pinlay would say, get your shoes on, John, um, or some shit like that. Uh, I listen to a lot of John North podcasts, so um, this is where I get my information. But, you know, they they didn't know what was going on. They A lot of people now get like a, a month in advance on their program or a week in advance on their program. And, uh, you know, these guys walked in and be like, hey, coach, what are we doing today? Well, we're going to weight lift, you know, get your shoes on, start warming up. You know, they hit the snatch, clean and jerk some kind of movement every single day, even if they were going to push like a, a 10 rep max squat. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's the way that they found success when their backs were against the wall. I think it's just really inspiring. Yeah. And I, I, I think it goes to like what I said earlier, he, he fostered such a competitive environment among his athletes that, I'm jealous. I would have loved to have competed in that kind of in that kind of realm. I wouldn't have been able to hang with anybody in that gym, but man, it would have been it would have been awesome, you know, just to be in that kind of environment where every day you're pushing yourself to your limits. You're working for a daily max, um, and I think there's nothing quite exactly like that being done currently in weightlifting, where you get pitted against your teammates where you get, you know, almost forced to clash with the guys who you're training with really, you know, on, on a camaraderie kind of basis. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got a new rival standing right there in front of you. Yeah. Um, you know, you even see that out at Cal Strength. Like, Wes Kitts, he's a lock for the Olympics. There's nobody competing against him. There's no one currently in the U.S. that can match his numbers. Right, he got beat at Pan Ams, but uh, he didn't lift to his full potential. He even posted that um, 
it was just to compete against like compete against international teams. So, um, you know, he, he had to take a piss test in front of, uh, in front of the international judges is what he basically said. So, um, <laughs> you know, he, he didn't have to work. I mean, he's working hard, don't get me wrong, but he didn't have to work hard enough to, you know, he doesn't have to clean and jerk, uh, 223 every single day. Um, you know, so, and, and you see that, you know, you got, you got your top lifters in each weight class and that's, that's about it. You know, nobody else really measures up and don't get me wrong. There's, there's some young bucks that are going to come up and I think challenge here in a bit, but, um, currently there's, there's nobody that's going to be Wes Kitts, Nathan Dameron, um, Chevy, uh, you know, uh, those guys all out of out, out of cow strength right now. It just it's not going to happen. So, well, and it is really awesome to see that Glenn's dream of building an American weightlifting team come to fruition and continue on after he's passed away. Uh, in form, seeing these these current athletes push each other and and lift really well, um, despite the fact that you know we can't give them dogs um, where, you know, if we were able to, maybe they'd be eating with the Chinese. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, well, I have no doubt in my mind that if, you know, Kendrick Ferris was on drugs, he would have won two or three Olympic gold medals without a doubt. Um, or, or Donnie Shankle even, uh, you know, arguably two of the best American lifters to ever ever be. Um, you know, give give Ian Wilson drugs, and he'd be on the Olympic stage too. You know, that dude's the only American to ever train Bulgarian legitimately, clean. All he did was snatch, clean and jerk, and squat. Um, you know, that's just that's just the way he trained. But that's also why he's injured so much. So, you know, maybe maybe we'll see him on on the stage once again here soon. But um, I don't know if he's got it in him or not. <laughs> well, Brandon, but, uh, I know you and I, you and I both, we we train, we train because we got busy schedules. We've got to we've got to suit our our bodies and our training needs both. Um, and you mentioned you have a comp upcoming. Do you have any kind of structured plan that you're laying out uh, to approach that? Like how often you're um, going to squat a week, how often you're going to uh, competitive lift a week? Uh, not Just really. going to make it up as you go uh, along? Pretty much. It's um, I, I actually need to get with you and Lucas and uh, – because I think Lucas is going to try to compete with me once I tell him that I'm actually going to do it. So, uh, JT, maybe you'll sign up with me too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, about that. all right, that's fine too. <laughs> but you know, you know, tracks you know, me and Lucas don't don't have all the equipment in the world, so we we struggle to you know get 
squatting and, and clean and jerk done. And in that way, you know, we are basically Bulgarian, but we don't hit snatch and clean and jerk every single day. Um, but, you know, once I get to the high school every now and then and I can hit some other stuff, but uh, it, it really hurts me not to have some extra equipment, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I need to get a, a, a plan lined out um, at least probably a couple weeks in advance. And I still got to sign up. If I don't sign up, I can't compete. So, um, but yeah, I'll, uh, plan to get to work on it here soon. Um, JT, me and you got some other stuff we need to plan out anyways. So, um, uh, maybe, maybe you'll be willing to help me out a little bit. For sure. Just for a little bit of perspective, what, what I'm doing on a weekly basis, try to squat three times a week. Um, alternate heavy, uh, doing front squat, back squat, one of those twice, the other one once, and then classic lift. Try because of how my schedule is left. one classic lift on Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning, and then the other followed by uh, the, the other from a variation. So, whether it's from the blocks or from the hip or whatever, like that, and then follow that with squat immediately after. Um, to try to cause cause a little bit of strength adaptation along with the power, you know, like, utilize some power and then make the lifts a little bit different uh, to, to just focus on strong pull, being fast, get in the hole. Uh, I know my biggest problem is sitting under the weight, so try to practice sitting under the weight with everything that I do outside of the classic lifts and then repetition method goes in on Tuesdays, Thursdays, whenever I can fit the time in. Because typically I have an hour. It's just never a consecutive hour. It's like 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Try to mash some stuff together while I have the time. Yeah, and... I'm just I'm kind of in that weird boat where uh, you know, I, I don't always have the time during the day, so um, I work, and then I go to practice, and then you know, usually I can lift those days, but then um, other days I have track meets and I don't get home till eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. And me personally, I'm just not going to do it when I got to be up at four o'clock. Um, sure. So I, I probably need to start lifting Saturday and Sunday just so I can get uh, four to five times a week in. Um, so we'll, we'll see, man. Um, it, it'll be a learning curve for sure. Um, but I, I think my goal for the, for the comp is maybe, maybe 115, 150. Um, we'll see if I can pick up 15 pounds somewhere in my cleaning jerk. <clears throat> but you know, I got three months to train, so um, maybe I'm setting my bar a little low. But uh, I got, I got, I got to get some stuff ordered too because I don't know if I have to compete in a singlet. If I got to compete in, um, you know, if I can just compete in the squat shorts that Lucas has, um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you'll, so, you'll definitely need a singlet. Um, 
I don't know. If you Lucas... can wear shorts over it, but you got to have a singlet. Um, Lucas competed in uh, competed in a t-shirt. So, well, um, if it's a USAW sanctioned event, where if you can wear a shirt over your singlet, but. You know, and it depends on how strict they want to be. I don't know if they're, yeah, because I, mean, I've never competed. I don't know how strict it is, but that's what they said on the website and all the quizzing on the the referee and all that. So, well, I wouldn't worry yeah. about that too much. I'll figure it out. I don't care. Worry about getting strong, man. Don't worry about what you're going to wear the day of. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't matter my weight class either because I'm going to be a super heavyweight. I can't cut down anymore, so. Um, cut off your legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drop a weight class. Cut off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well, uh, JT, you got anything for the good of the order, man? Well, go out there. Try an American. Squat heavy. Call heavy. <laughs> Put stuff over your head that's heavy. You, know, you, you got you got to do work. You know, well, bullet or the uh, you know the magic beans that you trade the cow for that are going to turn you into a world class athlete. You just got to do the work, and you know those world class athletes are out there doing the work as well. So you got a long ways to go if you want to compete with them. Um, you know we got. We got some exciting stuff coming up here in the future. We're gonna hopefully have a couple of guests guests speak. A couple of guys who have been around the block, get them interviewed and, and share that with you guys. Um, and again, y'all have any questions, you want to learn anything specific about what we do in training or what we like, don't like, as long as it's not something that's trademarked that might come back to bite us if we talk bad about it. We're happy to do that. You send us some emails, get in contact with us on Instagram. We're happy to take a look at whatever kind of weird training that might be out there and dissect it a little bit and see if it's any good or if it's just complete, you know, baloney. Joel um, <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to be oh, careful. JT, you got to tell them about your professor, dude. No, I can't. I can't. You can't? I can't. I can't. Why is that? <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> I'm not going to put him on blast and have Joel coming back after him. Because <laughs> right. I know, I know that I'm talking about, that he would have no problem defending his point of view, but I just don't want to cause that for him. So I'm not going to do it to him. I'm not going to. It's hilarious, but I can't do it. <laughs> But if you want to hear from hear straight from me, you gotta contact me directly. I'll, I'll gladly tell you as long as in confidence you don't go well droll. Yeah, and then hopefully that just means we'll get some more questions for the podcast. So uh, please, 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 whoever listens, send us some questions. You can find me at dunkerfan at aol you can find JT at silvers.fit at gmail.com. Find us both on Instagram. Um, 
I think I'm, I'm B Mayor underscore 77 or something like that. And I think JT is just, are you silvers dot fit, bro? Yes, that's me. All right. Just, uh, yeah, please reach out, out to us. Um, our inboxes are a little dry as, as the kids say. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, man, go out, um, trust some training. If you want any information on that, uh, weightlifting meet, if you want to train with me or, um, get some help with programming, you can call, you can call JT there. Um, I'm sure he'd be willing to help you out. Uh, sure. But, uh, <laughs> Sorry to just throw you out there, John Boy. Glad um, I love weightlifting. Free if I didn't have to eat. <laughs> Me too, dude. If I if I could just skip out, um, I I would weightlift all day long. Um, it's the only thing on my brain half the time, anyways. But uh, anyways, guys, go out, crush the week, um, slay the dragon. And as always, hug grip and rip.